now you're gonna bring it up and and just put salt on the wound will you stop yelling at me no live in the entertainment capital of the world no no you're making me nervous but seriously it's the tc martin show no listen uh, you're making me nervous diagnosis oh and a Prognosis. Well, that's good. Osmosis. And they'll reset. And Nowitzki again for the lead. Bang! It's the Dr. T.C. Martin. Glad to have you with us on a Wednesday hump day. You gotta like that. All right, back in studio today. It feels weird being back in studio after being on the road so much for the Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday games. And that's it. Final four coming up on Saturday, championship game on Sunday. We'll be back at the Cosmopolitan for our final four preview show on Friday and championship game on Monday. So look forward to that. So that means today, tomorrow, in studio. Ballpark Frank in the house. Numchuck on the other side of the beautifully refurbished, clean, unbroken glass. Are, are we going to have a pool to see uh, what the over-under is on uh, when that glass ends up getting broke again with all your dancing and shenanigans over there and all the other people that sit in that chair on the other shows in this place? Tell you what, man. Because if, that uh, is a dangerous place for that glass to be. It is. And it's a bigger glass, too. yeah. yeah. I like it. It's, it's clean. I can actually see Numchuck now. thing about it is... Well, it's um, clean because it's new. Yeah. <laughs> Tell me if it's still... Remember next week and let's see if it's still clean. <sighs> that glass probably isn't safe. You're, it, it, over time, that glass will not be safe with me. I think uh, you, you know that. I'll tell you what. If I was watching the game here in the studio last night, the Michigan-UCLA game, this glass would not be safe. No? No. Because, you know, had action on Michigan... Didn't work out too well. Scored 49 points. A lot went wrong in that game. Yeah, I was watching that Big game Blue. going, wow, is it, this thing would have to go to triple overtime to even touch the total, wouldn't it? Yikes. <laughs> Craziness. All right, today we will recap what our eyes saw last night in the Elite Eight games. We are now down to four. Houston Baylor, UCLA Gonzaga, they will convene on Saturday at Lucas Oil Stadium. So we'll look forward to that. First tip, 2.14 p.m. as Houston will take on the Baylor Bears, Battle of Texas, the old Southwest Conference foes. They'll square it off. And then UCLA and Gonzaga, UCLA the 11 seed, Gonzaga the number one seed. So, yeah, looking forward to that. Like I said, Cosmopolitan on Friday. We'll have a, a plethora of guests there on Friday as well as Monday. As we uh, preview the Final Four on Friday and the championship game on Monday, but going to be a busy week for your uh, buddy Tracy Murray. Yeah, yeah, He's, going to Disney World yeah. and coming back for a little Final Four. Yeah. And, and you like that at the end of the game, I'm sure. Even though I know you had Michigan, you said, but uh, from uh, you know from last four to Final Four. Exactly. Yeah, I sent Tracy a text after the game, and uh, he was up late last night. He was uh, very, very happy. You know, with his Bruins, and again, just not working for UCLA doing the radio broadcast, but the former Bruin himself, one of the you know best Bruins players, best shooters ever to come out of that university. So very, very happy uh, for him. If he was in the lineup last night, they'd have won by 20. Yeah. Boy, <laughs> let's talk about this game. Okay, well, let's, let's, let's go back and recap the two games last night. Gonzaga and USC. This thing was over early. Okay, by the time we got out of the Cosmopolitan, I think I got in the car, it was 7 nothing, just like that. Then it was 25 to 8. Then we get to halftime, it's 49 to 30. Game over, done, plain and simple. So, all the talk about USC being able to give Gonzaga fits defensively, to match up, forget about it. They sat in their 2 3 zone last night. Nothing like the Syracuse 2 3 zone. Uh, nothing like the UNLV zone back in the day, Tark's uh, Amoeba defense. No, this thing was a joke. And Gonzaga did exactly what you're supposed to do against a 2-3 zone. You get the ball to the high post, you get it to the middle, you have guys that make exquisite cuts to the basket, going baseline, penetrating the gaps, superb ball movement, getting open shots, and what does Gonzaga do to this zone? They shoot 50% against it last night. 46 points in the paint, game over, no contest. You know what this game reminded me of? It reminded me of a Globetrotters game. It really did. For an Elite 
eight game, that's embarrassing for USC. Were you playing Sweet Georgia Brown in the background? <laughs> <laughs> Snapping my fingers. Seriously, it looked like a Globetrotters game, didn't it? It, it just looked to I me mean, like fancy a fancy passes, precision galore. It just looked to me like a team that was dominant. They came out and they're like, okay. And and remember now, do we even need the Final Four? Scott Spreicher told us yesterday this could be the worst nightmare matchup for them. If Gonzaga handles them with no problem, just give them the championship. I think we're still going to play the Final Four, but um, is it over? I don't know. They sure look good. They look good, and it should be a replica Saturday when they play UCLA. Okay, we talked about, okay, the, the Pac-12 story coming to an end. Nice story. Okay, goodbye Oregon State. Goodbye USC. Thought that maybe UCLA would go bye-bye, but they didn't. But, yeah, it was just a beautifully played game by Gonzaga, and I'm going to go back. to They're a six-seed USC. Okay, we have seen spurts from USC. What we saw last night for a whole game We've seen this from USC, where they fall asleep at times, they turn the ball over, they don't shoot the ball exceptionally well, and you can't start a game like that. Was You know what was the telltelling sign for me? Was that how Gonzaga immediately, in the first couple possessions, were just ripping the ball away from SC. I mean, it was like taking your candy away from a little kid, take it away from a baby and say, no, no, we're going to be more physical than you. We're going to agitate the ball. We're going to steal it. The refs are going to let him be physical. That game was over just like that. It was a man against boys type of scenario. It was, yeah. You know? But it shouldn't have been because a lot of people are like, oh, look at the length. Look at Evan Mobley. Look, look, look at the matchups here. Yeah, I mean, Gonzaga is that good. But do I think Gonzaga is going to do that to Baylor? Absolutely not. Well, and, and I'm not Houston. saying it, and yeah. I said it kind of tongue-in-cheek, right. but I remember Scott saying that, and let's face it, it was every young person's nightmare in that game last night. Yeah. The yeah. Trojans busted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think it took Nemchuk a little while to get, get that off there. That's why he had to, you know, there. there, there, there. Very good, very good. All right, uh, in the nightcap. So 85-66, Gonzaga rolls over USC. Congratulations, Zags. They continue to roll. Uh, unbeatable, unstoppable. Okay. UCLA in Michigan. 51-49 the final. Michigan has no one to blame but themselves in this. Well, I'll give credit to, to UCLA. Okay. Here's who I'm giving credit to. Okay. Johnny Juzang. The guy's a monster. Ended up with 28 points. He had 18 in the first half. UCLA had three guys that scored in the first half. UCLA had five guys that scored the entire game. All right, Juzang had 28. The starting five were the only guys that scored. Oh, and get this. Three of the five starters scored four points. Four, four, four. Juzang had his 28 and, and somebody else had 11. Well, when you get 51 and one guy's got 28, there's not a lot to, to spread around there. <laughs> that five-player score. Three of them had four points. Think about that. Not a pleasant shooting performance by either team. Both teams shot 39% from the floor. The teams combined to make six total three-pointers. UCLA, three for 13. Michigan, three for 11. This was not a pretty game to watch. Uh, not if you like offense, it certainly wasn't. Uh, no, I agree with you. I, I thought it was an ugly game. It seemed like nobody could really get any kind of flow or rhythm going on in it. I'm watching it going up and down and up and down, and I'm thinking, is someone get- – I-, I was waiting for one of the teams to make that run that we always talk about in college basketball. I thought it was going to be Michigan. I thought they still had the talent to do it. But, you know, usually when you outscore the other team, like whatever it was – 16 to nothing from your bench scoring, or I know at one point right. it was like 15 to nothing. So you got the there, zero right. Yeah. That's what UCLA yeah. had, so, zero. So usually you're thinking, okay, well, you know, our bench didn't contribute a lot, but they contributed enough. I mean, we held the other team to zero. You generally count that as a W, but not in that game. It, it, it was a very disjointed game. It, it looked more like an early round matchup than, you know, than the final to see who in, in an Elite Eight game. But, uh, you know, kudos to the Bruins. Once again, they found a way to make the other team feel uncomfortable. They did it in the game before where they didn't play extremely well. Alabama, of course, was missing their free throws, doing everything wrong, doing a lot of different stuff. And, again, I don't know if that's the other team just not performing. If UCLA makes them feel uncomfortable with some of the stuff they do out there, but they're advancing. But I will say this, and this is just my opinion, if they want 
any chance of beating Gonzaga, they're going to have to play a ton better. It's not like UCLA had this lockdown defense last night. That, that wasn't it. This was on Michigan, and we know that Michigan likes to, to play that slower pace, and UCLA does too. Mick Cronin's teams have always been like that. So if we're really handicapping this game and looking at a total, it made a lot of sense to go with the under here in, in 51-49. And what, it wasn't a high total. It scored but, 100 but, points Yeah, but it, but it still wasn't even no, close to I it. I know. But here's where the problem went for Michigan, okay? They shot the ball exceptionally bad. We mentioned the three-pointers, uh, 39% from the field. But it came down to this. So Michigan had like a seven-point seven lead early on, and then UCLA – had either a six or seven point lead, and then Michigan did come back, and they had and they took the lead at one point in time, where they, they took a one point lead, and thought, okay, Michigan is going to take control from here on out. Okay, Juzang was hurt, had the eighteen in the first half, hurt his ankle at the beginning of the second, went to the bench, came back, and still made the clutch shots. But Michigan missed their last eight shots, and these a lot were from point blank range, and they also missed free throws last night as well too shooting 6-for-11 from the free-throw line. They missed 10 bunnies, okay? Translation of bunnies, you know, you're within two or three feet, okay? We saw uh, Wagner miss a bunch. He was horrible from the Including field. Including the air ball. The air ball, I exactly. mean, and, 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 and they're trying to scream that he, t- he nobody came close to touching him. It, it was so short, it was ridiculous. 1-for-10, 0-for-3 from 3 was Franz Wagner, okay? It looked nothing like his older brother when he was at Michigan. He looked nothing like himself earlier this year and in the other games. Right. But here's how the game ended. Like I said, Michigan missed their last eight shots. They had the ball with 19 seconds left, and they settled for a Wagner three that you mentioned. It was a wide-open three. Yeah. I mean, it was a good look, but it was it, – it, and to me, it looked like he just had no legs there. He, he, was, he didn't get anything he off. He tensed up like they all did. He yeah. was nervous. I mean, it, it, but – He pushed it. It, it almost looked it. like he was throwing an alley-oop yeah. because it was that yeah. short. Yeah, exactly. I think it just barely touched the bottom of the net on the outside of the net. Yeah. It, it almost literally hit nothing. I think it might have touched the net. Maybe it didn't even do that. Where's Lorenzo Charles and Eden from NC State? Huh? Where's that? Where's that lob? That air ball? I think he's trying, to get, a, slam a think he's trying to get a Geico commercial yeah. or something like that. Uh, but but Dikembe swatted it away. Ha-ha! <laughs> Not in my house! Not today! <laughs> okay, so Wagner airballs a three. They, they, they missed the follow-up shot. And after fouling uh, Juzang, who made one and missed one, Mike Smith comes down, plenty of time. And it has a good look. It looked like it was about halfway down. He missed a three. The ball's tipped out of bounds. They get another shot. And what does Juwan Howard do? He maps out another Wagner three? Are you kidding me? No. That's not what we want to see here. Michigan missed, like I said, 10 point-blank range shots. Turnovers. Horrible job for Michigan in this game. 14 turnovers. And I'm going to say it, a horrendous coaching job by Jawan Howard. You had UCLA where you wanted, and you missed your last eight shots. And for me, I'm looking at this game, Frank, and I'm going like, they just they changed everything about how they've been playing, not only during the course of this season, but how they played in this NCAA tournament where they've been flawless. And wh- what have they done? They've moved the ball around. They've, got, they've hit in the open shots, the perimeter. Okay, and you've got the wrong guys in the game. I mean, you've got you know guys that that were hitting their threes. You know, the one guy uh, hit hit two out of three threes. He's not even on the floor any of those possessions. He's cheerleading on the bench. Yeah, it it, it didn't make any sense. And, I, and I'm talking about uh, uh, Chandre Brown. He was two for three from three. And then uh, Elijah Brooks. I mean, these guys weren't on the floor at the end, but they got so reliant and going to Hunter Dickinson that they just wanted to pound the ball. And I get it, Riley had four fouls. You want to do that? But they, every possession, it was Dickinson, Dickinson, Dickinson. They're fighting the shot clock. And then Dickinson leaving, is leaving stuff short. Then he gets fouled. He can't hit a free throw. He missed three in a row at one time. Went 0 for 2. Then he came back, missed another one. Then he, then he hit the, the back end. So one for his last four at the free throw line. They were too reliant on that, which I didn't understand because basically they could have got whatever they wanted to uh, against UCLA, and they just tensed up and 
Jawan Howard kept calling these sets for Dickinson in the low block. And UCLA was double teaming and sometimes triple teaming. And again, when they had success, it was Smith. It was Brown. It was Brooks that was doing the damage. Those guys didn't even touch the ball in the last two minutes. Yeah, and it's interesting, too, because I tend to agree with you that they tensed up. They looked like they were nervous. Like, all of a sudden, all right, we got an 11 seed here. We're the one seed. We need to win this game. They went out of their character. And if you would have told me at the start of this tournament that UCLA was going to the Final Four because Tom Izzo and Jawan Howard both had choking coaching jobs at the end of regulation to lose games, I'd have been like, come on. One's a Hall of Famer for sure, and one is a rookie coach who's probably going to – you got a great chance to be coach he's of the coach year of in the college year. basketball. No doubt. I mean, he, he's got to be, and yet – Unless you give it to Mark Few, but yeah, exactly. And, and sure. yet, like, but, but I agree. I mean, it's like they played not to lose or nervous or whatever it was. I didn't understand it, and they let UCLA continue believing in themselves and getting the job done, and even when UCLA would miss a shot or a free throw or something, they still had that pep in their step. They were still smiling and high-fiving, going, we can do this, we can do this. You know that Cronin told these guys, if you can stay close, we can find a way to win this game, and that's what they did. I don't know that they won it as much or if Michigan lost it more, but yeah, just... Horrendous performance down the end, tight, bad plays. And even when, the, again, I don't think the Wagner shot was a bad shot necessarily because he was wide open, but the execution was horrible and they were so tight. It just. But why are you doing that when you need a two? Just, just go in and get the two well, and, with and the, go to the line. You're in the double bonus and you've been pounding to Dickinson all night long and now you settle for a Wagner shot. And here's why I don't like the shot. Normally I would say, okay. But the guy was one for eight at, at that point, okay? He ended up one for 10, 0 oh for three from beyond the arc. It wasn't his night. When you got a guy like Brown who's two for three, he's feeling it, and he's leading you back. Well, right, but and he's not like, in the game, so he wasn't an option it, for it, the guys on the court. He should have been in the game. Well, right, right, but, and, and that's a Howard thing. <laughs> but but again, as, as far as the kid shooting it, is, I can't. Uh, he, I don't think he expected to be that wide open. Yeah. When both defenders went away from him, I think he thought, well, I mean, I got to yeah. nail this. And, and you know, maybe it's the, you know, what do they say? Shooter, shoot. It's a shooter mentality. You know, how many times did you see? Probably not not that many because Larry Bird was hardly ever that bad in a game. But how many times when Larry Bird had a bad game did he hit the one at the end, the dagger or something like that? And if he would have hit that, everybody would have said, wait, to throw him the ball and let him get that opportunity again and make it. But he wasn't close. It was an air yeah. ball. He was tight. It was bad. But at, like you said, they still had opportunities, mm. even the out-of-bounds and everything. They, they just – they the collar was tight around they them. Choked. They, they choked. They, they, they choked. And I hate to say choke, especially when it comes to college right, kids. Right, But they choked. Yeah. I mean, that is yeah. the reality of it. Call it what you want. Yeah, 10-step, whatever, and it got away from, from mm. what you normally do. And as far as Wagner, you know, one for 10 – again, when you're tense like that, you either – have the guy on the court, use him as a decoy or whatever, but he's not feeling it. He doesn't have the confidence. How about that, that runner that he had down the lane? He makes that 9 out of 10 times, and he ends up short off the backboard. Same thing with Dickinson. You know? And when you're short like that all the time, that oh, is tensing up, absolutely. and that's just being short. And maybe yeah. it's a little bit legs too, but, but yeah, it's definitely he, – he, he didn't have the confidence. If I give you these stats, what do you think happens here? Okay, UCLA had zero three-pointers made in the second half. Zero fast break points and zero bench points. What do you think the score is? I would say they those have just barely above a zero percent chance of winning. <laughs> right? However, you're saying there's a chance. Wow! Wow! So you're telling me there's a chance. <laughs> yeah! It's a nice story with UCLA, but even the hardcore, ardent, true blue UCLA fan. He's got to look at that game and say, we escaped here. And now, oh, congratulations, we get Gonzaga. And what the odds makers put on this thing right away? A 13.5-point number. And people started laying it right away, and it went up to 14 you know, last night as I well, I mean, too. is that surprising? It would be interesting to see what the number would have been if it would have been Michigan. And I'm wondering what our friend mm-hmm. over at the Cosmopolitan, Double B, Brian Benowitz, mm-hmm. I'm sure he's very happy about UCLA winning. But if he actually wanted a chance to beat Gonzaga, is he maybe a little bit upset because maybe Michigan did, they probably didn't, but does UCLA have a chance to beat this team? No, they don't. They don't. And again, this will be their sixth game in this tournament, 
unless Gonzaga totally collapses here. And, and I just don't see it because it's not like the UCLA has those weapons. Okay. They can't match Gonzaga, you know, shot for shot, talent for talent. And again, you, UCLA doesn't want to get up and, and run with Gonzaga and they don't want the game to be in the seventies. So I don't know if they jo- want it in the sixties. Right, you got Johnny Juzang. Okay. He's, he's your guy. Okay, but but Riley is is not a big enough body or not skilled enough to compete, you know, with the bigs, with Timmy and and Kispert and guys like that in a Jai. They they don't have that now. Tiger Campbell could give Jalen Suggs some problems, even though Suggs has about six inches on him, you know, four or five inches on him. That that could be interesting, and you know, Suggs finally played a pretty good game last night, but. Again, I, I, I don't see it. I, I want, I'm like you. I want to see Gonzaga Baylor. Okay? Let's, you have the number one overall seed. You're basically going to have pretty much a cakewalk till you get to the final four. And as it ends up, you're facing the number 11 seed, the play-in team, in the final four. So and, and just think about what you just it was said. A, it was a six seed they faced in the, in the, in the uh, Elite Eight. Well, think about what you just said there. Okay, a cakewalk. I don't know if I'm going to go that far, but they should certainly. It looks like they will Seedings win this say game. That, yeah. Seedings do say that. We talked about Gonzaga coming out of the easiest region, which they certainly did. Now they're facing an 11 seed. What did we say all the time? Well, when the tournament comes here, how are they going to act when they get tested? They look like very likely are going to make it all the way to the final, having never been tested. They still haven't been tested throughout the entire tournament. Through this tournament, you're right. Again, and I, and I go back to the BYU game in the WCC final where, yeah, they were tested. Anytime you're down 10 at the half, you were tested. And you were tested in those early games back and, and that's in, what I in meant. December. I, I meant but this yeah. tournament. But, but yeah. this tournament, no, no. And again, you, with the number one overall seed, I mean, come on. You're, you're facing eight, nine seeds and six seeds and 11 seeds. In the weakest region. Yes. I mean, in the weakest region. So, yeah. Uh, not sour grapes at all, but I think anybody who was it's rooting for Michigan or had Michigan in their brackets or bet on Michigan, you're going to say the same thing. But, again, these numbers don't lie. And, you know, when you look at what your eyes saw in this game, that's what you saw. An ugly basketball game, ugly offensive performance. And, you know, there are comparisons to UCLA, to VCU, going back to the 2011-2012 uh, season, when VCU made it to the Final Four as an 11 seed. Did they also so, play, they played the playing game that year too, right? Or did yeah, they not? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's when it started. Yeah, right. Yeah. That's when it started. Yeah. So that's why I think it's a, it's a fair comparison. So if you remember, they played Butler in the Final Four and they lost seventy to sixty two. So uh, you know they, they lost with, within eight, but again the run came to an end. And Butler was good, but they didn't they they weren't as dominant looking as this Gonzaga team Correct. has been. Correct. Correct. So. We'll, we'll see what happens. So look forward to Saturday. Again, the first game it will be, call it whatever you want, a rock fight, dog fight, a battle between two teams that can get very, very physical with uh, Houston and Baylor. Looking forward to that, the Battle of Texas. And then the nightcap will be Gonzaga and UCLA. It could set it up for a little bit of a letdown, but I think they want the number one overall seed to be in prime time, and that, that'll be the later game that uh, – will uh, go approximately 5.30. Well, yeah, and, and I, I mean, I, I don't really know how it's a letdown. If you're a basketball fan, you're going to watch. Mm-hmm. Now, if they're up by 20 again at the half or something like that, maybe the TV sponsors for the second half of the game might not be too happy with it. But, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that, that's just the way it is. But, but even at that, I mean, you know, people always say that they want to see greatness. Well, right now we're seeing greatness from this Gonzaga team. Will it last? Will they make it all the way to the final run? Or will they be one of those teams that, and again, not if Baylor beat them, it wouldn't be like when Georgetown lost to Villanova or some of the other big upsets we've seen oh, in college no, not basketball. At all. Not at all. But because they've been so dominant, you know, I mean, it would certainly be flashbacks to UNLV with the undefeated season if they went that far and then lost in the final. Now, that would mean that Baylor or Houston would have to be a Duke-type team or something. I don't know if they got three or four potential NBA All-Stars on those teams or whatever, but Baylor is a good team. And, and again, it's, it's not that I'm rooting against Houston because I want to see the best teams out there. The top two teams in the country have been, for, from day one here, has been Gonzaga and Baylor, and you can make the argument that – because remember, 
we would have this debate going back in December and January and even early February, uh, especially prior to Baylor getting COVID and where they had to sit out a couple weeks, that who really was the number one team? Who would be the favorite in this game? And it Gonzaga was Gonzaga Baylor. That's, it, it's a coin flip. And it was the game that was supposed to happen, and right. it was taken away from us. So I, I will personally, as a fan of college basketball, be upset if we do not see that matchup. That game was supposed to be played on December the 5th. So Monday night, if both teams win on Saturday, four months to the date, this game will, will take place, that it was supposed to take place. December 5th, April 5th is Monday. Uh, that's, that's what I have penciled out that we're going to see. And for me, that's when we'll find out about Gonzaga. And if they lose that game to Baylor, say Baylor does get by Houston, of course, Gonzaga gets by UCLA, uh, people shouldn't be you know, discounting Gonzaga and say, oh, they choked or whatever, because Baylor is a great basketball team, and Baylor is tested night in and night out in the Big 12, uh, where we know that Gonzaga is in the WCC, even though, like we said yesterday, they they faced four really good non-conference teams uh, going, going back in the non-conference. When you play Auburn and Virginia and West Virginia and Iowa and Kansas, five of them actually, so yeah. Uh, this Gonzaga team deserves all the credit in the world, but let's don't give them the credit until Monday. And, and you do have to ask yourself, too, if Baylor wouldn't have been hit with the COVID issues, when they came back and they were a little bit lackluster, they almost lost to Iowa State for crying right. out loud who didn't win a game. And they did lose to Kansas pretty handily. Yeah. But, you know, there's a possibility that if they don't have that COVID issue when they go through that stuff – could we have maybe seen two undefeateds meeting each other mm-hmm. yes. in the final game? Because yeah. Baylor was that good. Yeah. They took a big setback, and I think that took some of the shine off for some people out there. But basketball fans that have watched them all season and still see them still know how good this team is yeah. and how potentially they could be the best team. Are they? Well, it, we got about it, another it, week or no so to shame, find out. And no shame in losing to Kansas and losing to Oklahoma State in the Big 12 you know, championship game. So yeah. looking forward to it. Okay. So no matter what, even though we've got an 11 seed in there uh, and we've got Houston, a number two seed, you know, some people will say, well, you know, Houston, are they really that good or that number two seed? Uh, they're, a, they're a solid team. But like Gonzaga, they just really haven't been tested very much. And they've been life and death to, to beat Rutgers and Oregon State in this tournament. So, yeah, Baylor's a five-point favorite. They should be. Gonzaga's a 13-and-a-half-point favorite. They should be. And before we go to the break, your point was, what if Michigan would have won that game last night? Would the line be? I would have made that line anywhere from four and a half to six max. And and you look at what the line was with USC last night as a six seed, uh, that line was eight and a half, nine for Gonzaga. So a one against a one, it's probably going to be four, five, six at the most. That's what I'm thinking. I think both games would probably be five-point favorites and if, if that, Michigan was in that game. And if that would have been the case, we'd have had three ones and a two, and said so we have a one one two, eleven. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, we come back. The big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, will join us. We'll get his thoughts about the NCAA tournament, talk some NBA with him as well, too. Next hour, Steve Berline. We go a little cross-sport because, you know, Berline is a big basketball fan, and uh, India. The T.C. Martin Show pool, there's only two people that have the Baylor Bears winning. Me, and who's the other guy? Burline. So uh, he's got a live bracket going. He's, uh, he's got Houston uh, in another bracket and that sort of thing. So he, he's been on top of it. So he's going to join us. And then Nick Bogdanovich from William Hill, the uh, president of the Race and Sportsbook division over there, he will join us at the uh, 3.30, so hang tight for that. And Maybe we'll talk he to can Nick. tell us what that line would have been if Michigan would have been there. There you go. Well, we'll talk to Nick about that. And so a lot to cover today. When we come back, more hoop with the Big 7-footer. This is Bill Cartwright of the University of San Francisco Dons. You're listening to the T.C. Martin Show. He does not know Westerns, but he does know his sports. I will be there to get him right as much as possible. All right, he is the man in the middle, the king of the seven-footers, the king of the westerns, and a gourmet soup connoisseur. The big seven-footer, the five-time NBA champ. Big Bill Cartwright, what's going on, green and gold? Yeah, I think you know what's going on. It's uh, it's Final Four time. 
so I assume you're wearing the green and gold of the USF, so therefore you'll be rooting for Baylor come Saturday and Monday. Is that right? Going to stick in the green no, and gold family? No, that's, that's a different green than this. Do they even have gold over there? Yeah, so that's yeah, they're green. No, yeah, no, green, green and no, gold, little white. Yeah, just like you guys. You, no, you guys wear your white no. uniforms. Have very little gold. No, no we we just say dons over here. It doesn't have anything to do with the colors. It's it, you know, it does represent the colors, but no, it's different. I'll give you credit. At least you have not succumbed to the Oregon and Baylor green, where sometimes you bust out the they bust out the highlighter green. So good job for for you, Don's for for not lowering the ne- yourself the to neon? that. The neon, the neon, the highlighter, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, Three Mile Island green. Yeah. <laughs> hey, those those guys are edgy. You gotta you gotta give them that for for just being that edgy. That's what they call it, huh? Okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. Sometimes you gotta dare to be different. <laughs> All right, man. Uh, what do you think? What what uh, do you think of last night's games? Uh, talk about the the last uh, two nights of the Elite Eight. Uh, which one do you want to start with? You, ta- I mean, you, you, t- know, you take the floor, I mean, man. We we just got done breaking down the the last two games from last night. Uh, I'm curious uh, what your eyes saw specifically. Let's talk about the UCLA um, Michigan game last night. The 51 49, as you would call it, barn burner. <laughs> well, that was a great game. I mean, I, you know, I thought well, it came down to the wire. Obviously, was it a great game, Bill? Uh, Each team shot thirty nine percent. I mean, UCLA yeah, had I, five guys that scored. Three of their five starters scored four points. It was a turnover fest. Was it really a good game? We had a hundred well, combined points scored. Well, look, look, that's you know, the big points doesn't make it a good game. The big, the fact of the matter is, it came down to the to the end. It came down to the last shot, the last play. Um, I didn't think that there was anything controversial in that game, like a referee's call or anything. Uh, I'm just going to attribute that to, uh, you know, those guys knowing each other well and, and, and scouting, and and nobody really got hot. But um, you know, it was it was it was a hard, it was a tough fought game. Uh, I thought that Michigan had the edge. Uh, because of, just because they, how they finished the season and how well they had played. And and the big thing that comes down in a lot of these games, and the same thing happened in the Houston game, if these teams cannot get into transition, they can't get easy baskets. So now you got a half-court game. That's why this game last night, um, there was no easy baskets. Everything was hard-fought. Uh, there was a questionable shot by the Michigan guy at the end of the game, but he had plenty of time to turn around and take a shot. He just, uh, I, I, I don't know what happened to him, but uh, you know, you got you to give credit to UCLA for hanging in. UCLA had, a, had a, a, a tough year. They got off to a good start, and then they had a lull. There was a lot of doubt. Those guys fought back. Uh, the coach had a lot of controversy around him because he's a hard-nosed guy. He's a hard-nosed defensive guy. And uh, here they are. They're in the final four. So uh, let's just give kudos to those guys for for the effort and uh, and 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 how they got there. No, they they UCLA gets a lot of credit, and I give Mick Cronin credit. We've talked about that before for bringing a a mental toughness that maybe a lot of UCLA teams haven't had in the past. But you know, jumping back to Michigan there, and again, you know, your position, you know, down there in the low block, and we're seeing the seven footer Dickinson just you know ending up short on a lot of these uh, you know bunnies. I, I have never seen Michigan miss so many shots, uh, and I'm talking about deep in the lane within two or three feet. I mean, they missed. 10 shots from point-blank range. Do you attribute that just to to nerves? I mean, not being able to finish? I mean, give me some thoughts on that. I mean, that's, that's your territory down here in the low block. Well, it's tough down there. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm just going to attribute it to the fact that, you know, there were 10 shots. It just didn't make them. It was, a, it was a hard-fought game. I was really surprised. The score was so low at halftime. As a matter of fact, I was talking to some friends of mine. I was saying both these teams have got, are going to score 50 points apiece in the second half, and it just never happened. So, um, you know, and there's some games like that where you cannot – uh, score. You just can't score for whatever reason. The ball's not going in the basket. Uh, it's, it's just not. But 
you know, give credit to both teams that they were fighting defensively. And, and they, did, they did a good job. They made it hard on the other team. They rebounded the ball. And um, it's just unfortunate that, uh, uh, you know, for, for Michigan, they, they couldn't make a big play at the end of the game. They couldn't score. And uh, it was consistent that way the whole game. So, um, like I said, I, I give credit to UCLA. And you, and you really have to. And, and look, I'm, I'm a little disappointed that in the Final Four, Two West Coast teams have to go at it. I, I got to wish UCLA was in the other bracket uh, because, as you know, uh, the West Coast teams get slighted every year, and they, and they go they do well every single year. Uh, and it's great to see two West Coast teams uh, in the Final Four. Bill, when I was watching that game, and I don't know if you saw the same thing that I did or not, but a lot of times you can tell stuff by body language. And it seemed to me like Michigan was kind of down on themselves a little because they thought they had opportunities and they just couldn't pull away and get those baskets. Whereas UCLA seemed like they had a pep in their step. They were happy to be in that position, and they thought, we're close enough now, we're going to find a way to win this game. Did you see that? And how much is that confidence in there in crunch time like that when one team's kind of feeling like, all right, we've got them this far, now let's just close the deal? This is what makes the um, these kind of games really tough. And look, um, you know this is uh, West versus East, and and this one happens a lot during during this time of the year where teams teams are not familiar with with their opponent. They're just not familiar. They they don't play them. So uh, maybe the East Coast plays the Midwest, and and vice versa. But uh, just not very often that those teams play out west. This is why those Midwest and uh, East Coast they get so much, so much ink, um, and they get so much media coverage because they're playing each other. So it, so now you're playing a team that you're just not familiar with at all, um, either player wise or style wise, and it's just really interesting. How it comes down to that kind of style of play, you can't get familiar with them in one game, and it just makes it really difficult. And that was both ways. Um, Both teams offensively couldn't get a hold of one another. So, um, like I said, it it, it started funky offensively, and it ended funky. And uh, unfortunately for uh, for, for Michigan, they came out, uh, you know, two points late. All right, Big Bill Cartwright joins us, five-time NBA champ, uh, talking about the Elite Eight games, and now we are ready for the Final Four. All right, we've talked about Gonzaga with you so much because, again, being in the WCC uh, like you are with Gonzaga, they really have not been tested at all during the course of this tournament. Last time that we saw them tested was that WCC final here at the Orleans when they were trailing BYU by 10 uh, and they ended up, uh, you know, winning by 11 in the second half. Uh, they just went all over U- USC, up seven nothing. Then it was 25 to eight. Then it, went, it was 49 to 30 at halftime. Forget about it. 85 66 uh, the final. This thing was no contest. Looking at this Gonzaga team, I know they've always impressed you, but uh, just give, give me your thoughts. What you saw last night and moving forward to the game against UCLA on Saturday. Well, actually, Gonzaga and Baylor are really similar in the fact that they, they can score. So, um, I mean, SC, SC's got a bunch of young guys, and in this situation, it's going to be really tough for them. They have not been in that. I, I felt like uh, it was really tough for them to be in that kind of situation. And, and Gonzaga is a beast because they attack. They either post you up, they drive you, they get to the basket constantly, attack, attack, and then now uh, when they break you down, they kick out, and then now they have their shooters. And we should give credit to this. The fact that Gonzaga, they've been guarding really well. All of that dribble handoff stuff, all that stuff that we hate, they switch. Mm-hmm. Right. They switch, mm-hmm. and, and they're pretty good. Even their bigs that move with their feet. They make it really, really difficult um, for anybody to get past you, and they just make you take tough shots. So they've been guarding terrific, and uh, you just got to give them credit for what, for what they've done. They've been consistent. They're not turning the ball over. They get quality shots. 
uh, and they're they're relentless in their attack. So uh, could we be seeing a special thing? Right now we've seen it, and I guess we should just watch it and kind of acknowledge it. The fact this team hasn't won a game, um, just pay very careful attention to what they're doing. So um, this next game, I think, when they play against UCLA, UCLA's long. They're really athletic. Um you know, it, it's going to be really interesting. And the big thing that's going to come down to that game is that if they can score, because we know Gonzaga can score. So if they, they've got to be able to score in that game to stay in the game. So hopefully somebody gets hot. Hopefully uh, somebody may be off the bench. Somebody we haven't heard of before is, is going to play extraordinary. Uh, but, but, um, you know, you just got to give it to Gonzaga and, and, and how they've been playing. You, you know, Bill, a lot was made about Gonzaga going into this tournament that they've had a pretty easy run of it. They win almost every game by double digits. They've just kind of been rolling along. Have you been at all surprised that they've continued that even in the tournament? Because they still mm-hmm. haven't really been tested up to this point here. So we don't know exactly how they're going to react in a close game because, quite honestly, they haven't really been in one. Well, look, uh, and TC was right. The only big game they've been in is BYU. But look, they have been tested. They've been tested all year, and I'll tell you why. Because they've they've had every single team they play gunning for them. So that means that these these teams, every single team, is bringing their best effort to beat them. So. Yeah, they have been tested, and they've answered it. That's why I'm saying that maybe we should just watch these teams. Maybe this team is that good because, you know, the only team that get close into, and the only team that I thought that really had a shot of beating them was BYU. They had them on the ropes. They, they, uh, they got through it. They righted themselves uh, and just continued to play their game. So, um you know, so I mean, there's there's just two games left, so it's 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 not like they haven't been tested. It's just that she, they've been that good. Hey, Bill, we we saw oh. UCLA handle BYU. They played them in the tournament, and UCLA pretty much thoroughly dominated that game in what the second round there. Uh, how much of a shot do you give UCLA, and what do they have to do to pull this miraculous upset over Gonzaga? Well, like I said, they're they're going to have to attack them uh, somehow. They're going to have to attack them. They're going to get them in the paint. They're going to have to shoot the ball extraordinarily well, and then they're going to have to get back and and be able to defensively guard Gonzaga and control them. So um, you know, it's it's uh, it's going to be an interesting game, I think, um, but. Um, you know, I'll, I'll let you guys figure out the line, but I'm just telling you that uh, UCLA's got to score. They've got to be able to score. They, they, they've got to be able to score 75 points. Um, so I, I, I don't know if they're going to be capable. I don't know if uh, uh, they're going to be able to take care of the ball that well. Um, but they've got to be the aggressors. If nothing else... And they don't shoot the ball well. They've got to be the aggressors in that game because these guys are just too good. They they don't make any mistakes. They get great shots. They keep you out of the paint. They do things the right way. Um, it's just it's. Uh, I, I think it's going to be a fun game. Let me ask you this: Your game planning for Gonzaga, and obviously, you know USF has has played them, you know, at least two times during the course of the year. Uh, how do you game plan against Gonzaga? What is what is your mode of operation to try to either slow them down, limit them? Of course, you want to beat them. What do you do? What you do is attack them, and and I think because of the fact that they play really good defense, uh, they switch, they they congest, they keep people out of the paint, they rebound. You've got to be able to attack them at the basket, at the pinch, and do exactly what they do: high, low. And then now, um, um, attack them at the basketball. Hopefully, you get some foul trouble. Hopefully, you're making some shots. 
But you've got to be the aggressor and go at them. And like I said, you got to get credit to them. Nobody's been able to do that. They, you know, it, it, watching their last game against SC, they congested the lane. It was really hard for anybody to get in there. And uh, and they rebound the ball really well. Um, they they control the tempo. Um, and look, these guys are like every good team. They are great front runners. Well, they've, they've only been from behind only a few times all year. So now they they get to lead. They get to lead by six or ten points, and now they're really loose. Where where they can uh, uh, play, they can make, they can make threes. Uh, they can take some chances. Um, but you've got to be the aggressor in that game and just be persistent about attacking just persistent the entire game and then I think you got a chance uh, you know you're not going to beat this team from the outside it's just not going to happen you know and we've seen teams in your conference that have actually got on Gonzaga and had built like double digit leads I know Marymont, Marymont did it uh, Pacific did it uh, and, and BYU did it in, in that championship game out here at the Orleans. So, but then Gonzaga just seems to hit that next gear. So, and they, they face some, some deficits at halftime or before halftime, but then the second half, they just put the pedal to the metal. And, uh, yeah. in, in this tournament here, the NCAA tournament, maybe because they've had a, a pretty easy road, that hasn't even been the case. I mean, they've stepped on the gas from the onset and and just continue to go. So it'd be interesting to see if UCLA or Houston or Baylor can actually do that to Gonzaga and actually put them in that in that predicament, especially now with the Final Four and all of that pressure. Maybe I'm I'm curious to see. If that does happen, how is Gonzaga going to act on the big stage with all this pressure on him now? Well, look, as you know, being a boxing man, you can't decision a champ. That's just not going to happen. you got to knock these guys out. So, to me, that's that's being the aggressor on both ends, offensively attacking, defensively. you got to get up on them. you got to make everything really, really difficult. Uh, you've got to challenge their guards. you got to guard them. Um, they do shoot the ball it, extraordinarily well, but you just got to make every single thing really, really difficult. So, um, I mean, you get, and why not? This is it. It's the last game of the season for somebody, so you might as well leave it all out there. But, but uh, you can't uh, you can't let them decide what's going to happen on the floor because um, we've seen what happens with that. You just you're just going to go down with a loss. All right, you want so, violence, we, don't you? You that's what you you want some violence down the blocks. That's what you want. Uh, I would like some, but there's, you know why? Why do that? Because uh, now, now you got <laughs> if somebody actually hit somebody down there. Be, you, I don't know. They may arrest them. <laughs> just, can't do that okay, we don't need pure violence. Yeah. Just a little physicality. That's all. You know, mix it up a little bit. No, I'm just saying that you've got to be the aggressor. Uh, in this basketball game, and against Gonzaga, uh, these guys are too good, man. You you got to throw them off your game, and so and maybe change your defense up a little bit. Maybe you go zone, maybe you go a little trap. You got to give them something different um, than they've seen to try to, to attempt to keep these guys off balance. Like I said, they've been terrific all year. Um, Everybody expects them to win, which is that's that in itself is its own mindset that you're playing against a team that everybody thinks they're going to win, and uh, somehow that self-fulfilling prophecy kind of works out. But um, like I said, you can't decision them. You got to knock them out. You got to be the aggressor. You got to be the better team that that day. And um, uh, is it possible? Sure, it's possible, but it's not going to happen without your aggression. Bill, real quick, um, everybody's expecting Gonzaga to get past UCLA. If they do, who poses a bigger threat to them, Baylor or Houston? Everybody's kind of looking forward to Baylor, but um, Houston's still kind of a bit unknown because a lot of people haven't seen him because of the conference they play in. Baylor's the best team up there, I think, just because uh, uh, from what we've seen, uh, they don't turn the ball over. They, they they rebound the ball really really well, and uh, and they're 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 a good defensive team. Uh, 
So um, that's, a, that's what we've seen has been their best matchup so far. Um, you know, I, I know the game against uh, Arkansas was a little uh, um, wasn't the greatest game in the world. A little helter skelter. Um, yeah, but but I think what we saw is that uh, they they were able to score and they were able when they needed to get some stops. So in Arkansas, was, I thought played really well during the tournament. So they they were coming in on a high. So, so Baylor, Baylor's played uh, some tough competition. It's going to be good. That's what we should see. But, but who knows? It's going to come down to that to that game. All right, man. All right, we appreciate you, man. As always. All right, uh, we'll let you get back to the gym and uh, start uh, you know bumping some bodies down there in the low post. How's that? Yeah, and also, you know, my daughter uh, wanted me to tell you that the gals are playing too. In case you don't know, Carolina, Stanford. Who are you telling? Everyone's I'm all over that, man. You don't need to tell me about I, that. I, 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 I'm just saying. I'm yeah. just saying. I, I, I haven't heard a word about it. And, uh, you know, my daughter's saying that um, why can't we talk some gals basketball? Hey, listen. You. We talked all about it yesterday, man. We talked about UConn and Baylor, and the, the Baylor got the screw job at the end against UConn two nights ago. Last night, Stanford uh, came back from a deficit. We're talking about it here. Come on, man. You know, multidimensional, you know? Uh, we're all about Title IX here on the show. You know that, my friend. So there you have well, it. Well, 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 I hope so. There's more women than men on this planet. Okay, since, since you That's good for us. Out. Yeah. <laughs> no good for you. You're married. Uh, but here we go. Uh, okay, so, what's, so what's, what's your prediction? For the women? Yes. Stanford. It's Stanford. Stanford and UConn. Uh, man, that... I want to see that game, man. I don't know. I just, uh, I want to be like you. I want, I want to go West Coast. I want to go Stanford, man. But UConn, it's so hard to go against UConn. So tough. All right, brother. Yeah. We got. Yeah. yeah. We got. Well, well try, try to pull your vibes this way. I'm West Coast, so I'm thinking Arizona, Stanford. Arizona, Stanford. Good luck, yes. my friend. Good luck. Yeah, I, you, that that's not going to get you. That, that's not going to get you bus fare. Forget about that. <laughs> All right, man. There you go. All right, we'll talk to you later, man. Appreciate you. The big seven footer, big Bill Cartwright joins us when we come back. Steve Berline from the football side, the former quarterback, CBS Sports. We'll talk some hoop with him and also NFL news as well. 17-game schedule. It is official. Nick Bogdanovich joins us from William Hill. Don't you dare go anywhere.